You're listening to Around the King's Table, a podcast of the Mount Church in Clemson, South Carolina, with Pastor George Marshall and Pastor Brian Mann. Pull up a chair and listen in as they seek to serve up biblical dialogue for building disciples of Jesus. Welcome to this episode of Around the King's Table as we continue to march towards episode 50. Almost there. Almost there. What a milestone. No? No applause? No no nothing? Yes, okay. All right, now I'm into it. Uh, Today we want to be talking uh, about 1 Timothy chapter 4. Little middle section. Verses 6 through 10, as we resume our look at the book. At the book. Mm-hmm. So, what I want to do is read the passage for you, for us, and then we will talk our way through it. Mm-hmm. So, this is 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 6. Paul writes If you put these things, which we talked about last time, last time, mm-hmm. if you put these things before the brothers, You will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, Mm. especially of those who believe. So again, that's 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 10, and we will start back up in verse 6, and uh, perhaps we need to go back to, what are these things? These things. If you put these things before the brothers and sisters. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, most most likely he means really everything that he's talked about so far, although he's, he's probably got in mind is specifically the stuff he's just dealt with at the beginning of chapter 4, um, teaching to avoid these, you know, departing from the faith, devoting themselves to deceiving spirits and these other things that have kind of captured their attention. Mm-hmm. Um, if he is diligent to teach against those things, um, he'll be being a good servant of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be just a, uh, a godliness, which he's going to come back right. and highlight he keeps here. On highlighting that theme. <clears throat> yep. A godliness that is coming, uh, not so much from, um, human effort or human invention or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, asceticism, self-righteousness, these kinds of things, but a godliness, a true godliness that is springing up from the lifeblood of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, again, we, we maybe said this before, but you think so much on, uh, there must be more to it to right. becoming like Jesus. Right. It's gotta be some complicated process. Right. And, and it just seems like the Bible over and over again, Paul over and over again, is just saying, yeah, but really it's just as simple as see Jesus. Mm-hmm. Continue to live in the gospel and let the grace that's present in the gospel have its powerful effect in your life. Right. And so he's just saying, 
put these things, mm-hmm. put this, put the gospel, yeah. put grace, put godliness in front of the brothers and the sisters in front of the church. If you do this and stay there, mm-hmm. because it's difficult to stay there, yeah. you will be a good servant of Christ, Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Mm-hmm. So you hear all that? Is anything yeah. come to mind? I mean, so one of the questions, actually, I think your wife is the one who asked. We were talking, you know, mm-hmm. atonement. We were talking systematic theology. And the question was, yeah. what is systematic theology? Why is it important? Mm-hmm. And I think he, he kind of lays it out there actually pretty well, this sort of this breakdown between um, the words of the faith and the good doctrine, sort of this following from we have scripture, but then we have those things that we can extrapolate the trajectory we get out of it, which we would think of as doctrine. It's it's how we extend it or understand how to take the words of scripture and apply it in our church's context, our life context. Um, instead of just, okay, we read the words and now, okay, that was great. I read my Bible study, but how do I apply it to my actual life? Yeah. How, how does, how do this, does this all relate together? How is it cohesive? And then how do I actually apply it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I think, um, if I can speak generally and broadly, um, it seems like not just churches, but oftentimes churches because of the failure of pastors mm. and of the environments that have created said pastors uh, have not been trained. They've not been trained. Yeah. And I don't mean like going to seminary or something like right. that. I just mean that they have not seriously undertaken the noble task of understanding what the Bible says from Genesis to Revelation. So just the broad story of the Bible, but also the individual systematized doctrine that springs up from mm-hmm. from the text of Scripture. Yeah. So they fall back to entertainment. They fall back to, I get to be the guy that everybody goes to for answers, which I I actually have to be very careful of. People keep on coming for questions, and I actually do. I'm like, I I really want them to be able to answer. When Jonathan answered, you know, one of the questions on the thread, I'm like, yes, go for it. That's exactly what I want. I don't have to Mm -hmm. be that guy. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I think I think that's something that we want to promote. Uh, at least in in our church, uh, is a a pastorate. Um, again, Timothy is whether he's a pastor or he's just an apostolic delegate who is training, but he's training, training pastors, pastors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for local churches. Is that uh, he and they then, by extension, are being trained in the words of the faith slash the good doctrine, the good doctrine, the system of doctrine, the gospel doctrine. Um, so I just think that's critical to to underscore here. Mm-hmm. Again, we're we're kind of living in this this age where it's fashionable for churches and their pastors and pastors and their churches to be in this place of like, you know, because I don't really know and I don't really want to do the hard work of understanding what the Bible says on that, and because I don't right. want to like. Um, you know, create necessary lines of distinction, whether it's denominationally or doctrinally or whatever it is. I really just want lots of people, period. Yeah. However we try to mask that or whatever it is, we go, I don't, this doesn't really matter. This stuff, the doctrines, the good doctrine, the words of the faith, they're the word, this is the word of God. 
But we can really just set that aside. Yeah. In order to... How does it to, touch me? Yeah. How does it... How does it make me feel? Mm-hmm. Rather than, uh, you know... So, yeah, almost playing on a... Yeah, you see all these other competing Christians. They have this opinion. They have this opinion. I don't have any of those opinions. I just right. want what's good for you. Yeah. You're like... Okay, play that out for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a connection here. Uh, this is all verse six between, okay, so you've been trained in the words of the faith. You've been trained in the good doctrine. Uh-huh. The way he finishes that verse is that you have followed. Yeah. So it's not just been this Learned. like track of training, right? Academia. Right. It's not an academic training only. But it's the fact that he has followed doctrine. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's that to me is should again underscore how important doctrine is. Right. Timothy is following. You say Jesus. Okay. But that's not what Paul followed, says. Yeah, he's, he's following <laughs> examples of those who have been for him. He's right. following his grandmother's example. Yes. He's following Paul's example, especially. Yeah. 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 But doctrine is something that is lived out. Mm-hmm. We, we again, Caught there's a, there's a link between yeah, behavior expression. and belief. Yeah. And, and so, again, um, we, we don't want to, to be a church. We certainly don't want to be a pastorate that... Um, brings doctrine down to a place of unimportance when the Apostle Paul is doing the exact same thing and elevating it for Timothy mm-hmm. and saying, you've been trained in this and also you have walked in this. This has been critical to put it, putting, the, putting the, all this together so that you are an example. He gets down to this and we'll do this, I guess, in a couple Mondays and the rest of chapter 4. But he's trying to get Timothy to be this example for the whole body. Well, how does this young man become an example for the for the rest of the church or the churches uh, that he's serving? Well, it's not just that he has all this knowledge mm-hmm. of Scripture, all this Pauline understanding of whatever it is. Right. It's that he's walking in it as well. Mm-hmm. So the last thing that Timothy's doing is setting doctrine aside. Right. Or, you know, just marginalizing it and saying it's not that important. Uh, he, it's critical to, to Paul, it's critical to Timothy and it's critical for the churches. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Conversely, he's, he says in verse seven, yep. <laughs> okay. Have nothing to do with irreverent, irreverent silly, silly myths. Yeah. Nothing to do. Don't indulge them at all. Yep. Rather... Okay, he's been training himself. He has been trained. Mm-hmm. And that says, rather, train yourself yep. for godliness. Yeah. Okay. So, you want to give a, a guess as to the irreverent silly myths or what that might look like today? I mean, I, I, I would say, based on how he then continues to talk about it, I mean, he's, he's right back where they have been thinking that if they, you know, are worshiping angels and this Jewish calendar system and doing all these other things that it's going to provide them a spiritual benefit as being a better spiritual Christian. Uh, And so they're, they're, they're where they're sitting is on physical things that make them better spiritually than other people. Hmm. 
they're thinking, yeah, if I abstain from these foods, my body is more prepared and I'll be more spiritual. You know, mm-hmm. th- this kind of mentality, not to say diet is yeah. bad, but they're using it in a, in a way where it's, it's not just health, but it's if I am kind of abiding by this religious code or by, you know, whatever of how I'm going to um, treat yeah. what I take in, that all of a sudden it's going to make me more spiritual, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. Yep. Um, rejecting you know marriage out of i don't know i call it a health reason but i'm going to be more spiritual because i'm not married and yeah exactly Mm -hmm. um so they have this it's a very weird body spirit dualism Mm -hmm. expectation that's going on we don't want to get quite to gnosticism i don't think but there is something going on here and He's saying, yeah, avoid it. It is interesting that, you know, basically this is the first time we're getting to imperatives, commands really in it. I mean, these two so train and have nothing to do. Um, He is making a sharp break in the book here in Mm -hmm. the letter from, and Paul tends to do this where he has all this indicative material stuff about, you know, how things should be and then do this. He starts Mm -hmm. getting into commands and instructions and this is that pivot point of the letter. Yeah. Yeah, and the way that he he sort of butterflies it there in verse 7, have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths, rather train yourself for godliness, seems to be, so there seems to be some indication that those irreverent silly myths... They're uh, purporting to give godliness or to make one godly. Right, but But they're they're not. not. Exactly. Well, I think too today, just as like a, maybe a, a more a more general, again broad uh, baseline for for something like this, um, it's that we can just give ourselves. And he's talking to to again uh, a pastor, a, a delegate, whatever you want to call him. Right. Um, there is a propensity to to give ourselves to even good doctrine. Mm-hmm. So let's just put proto gnosticism aside, or asceticism, or whatever it is. Um, to give ourselves to to just all these discussions and all these Facebook pages that do this and that and talk about this and that yep. and all this kind of stuff and it's not all irreverent or silly, um, but just again, just sort of more more generally speaking, uh, whether it is leaders in the church or just the members of a church, we are prone to just kind of be sidetracked and give ourselves to things that don't lend themselves to godliness. Mm-hmm. And it seems like we're saying to Timothy is. Stay focused. Yeah. Don't don't get sidetracked with all these other things that don't promote actual godliness. Stay focused on the gospel. Yeah. The things that we've talked if about. If you're sidetracked, letter. your people will be sidetracked. Mm. Ouch. You just cut me to the quick, George. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on. Oh, Moving gosh. on. Verse 8. He continues, rather train yourself for godliness. So again... He said that he has been training himself. Uh-huh. He's been trained in the, the words of the faith and the good doctrine. Now he's saying, it's almost like continue to continue do this. Continue to do this, yeah. Uh, he's laid, later, again, I think it's verse 16, he says, if you persist in this, uh-huh. right? So he's continuing to uh, train himself, but now it's for godliness. Uh-huh. So whereas whereas in verse 7, it was you're, you've been trained in words. Right. You've been trained in doctrine, that you followed uh-huh. here. It's like, okay, continue that Get, continue getting there. It's not just continue training yourself academically. It's not just training yourself intellectually to understand all the system of theology. It's not to pull out John frame systematic and make sure right. that you've got the, a, a firm grasp on all this kind of thing. The page number, the goal of 
good gospel, whole Bible doctrine is godliness. Mm-hmm. You're moving in that seems, direction. Seems reasonable. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's to make you like Christ. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I think, but I think that's important to, to just kind of draw out there is I that, so. you know, we're not just gathering on Sundays to hear preaching. Right. We're not just gathering on Sunday nights to hear a lecture on the atonement. Right. The goal of accumulating good doctrine, mm-hmm. sound words, uh, on the atonement is that we would love Jesus more. We would understand our guiltiness. We would actually respond in kind with love yeah. and repentance and faith. We would hear it with faith and it would work. It yeah. would work in our souls to cultivate us. Give us confidence in what Christ, Christ has us. done for us. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I mean, that's what we were talking about. So, I mean, biblical, yeah. we would talk biblical theology, systematic theology, distinguishing being partially application in our lives. And that's not just a, how does it relate to my world? But I actually put it into practice Mm -hmm. and that's what that should help us to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He now makes a comparison in verse eight, Mm. which I think hits everybody because we live in a fitness age. Uh, Healthy. We got, you know, we, I mean, organic. Right. All the things. Make sure you're exercising and, you know, you're, as you age up, make sure you don't leave off the explosive exercises because that's why you end up losing your balance and falling and breaking your hip and all this kind of stuff. So he says here, to be fair, Mm -hmm. bodily training is of some value. Is of some value. Is of of limited value. Yeah, there is some value to it. Don't make it a god. Don't make it your idol. Don't worship it. Yeah. But he contrasts it with godliness. He says, for a while, bodily training is of some value. Godliness is of value in every way. Jesus said something very similar to this, like store up your treasures in heavens. I don't know, something like that. Yeah. Well, your body is going to give way. Yeah. What is it Paul says, and this is Second Corinthians 4, I believe it is, at the, towards the end, 17 18. Though our outer mm. man is wasting away, yep. and there's nothing we can do right. to stop it. I mean, can we help it? Okay, maybe. Maybe. But can we stop it? No. Mm-hmm. We're aging out. We're dying because of sin in the world. Okay? It's just, that's it. And so he's saying, yeah, it has, it's of some value for you in this world. Yeah. But godliness, that's beyond this world. Mm-hmm. So as our outer man is wasting away, our inner man is being renewed day yeah. by day by day. So while the outer man's growing weaker and weaker, the inner man's growing stronger and stronger. Yeah. And it has eternal horizons up to it. Yeah. So there's there's no the, the godliness is a value in every way, for this life, and yeah. also yeah. for as immediate, immediate immediate gains and permanent gains. Mm-hmm. And that's what he says. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is a value in every way, as it godliness holds promise for the present life, and also the life, life to come. To come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go. That's verse 8, 1 Timothy 4, 8. 
Verse 9. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Number three. Is is he... Is he referring back to what we just I, did? I think so. Some people yeah. take it the, that, that it's the next. I, I don't think the verbs really make sense to treat number 10. I think 10 explains 8. Yeah. So I think he's stopping going, it's trustworthy, follow mm. it, teach it. And then he starts explaining yeah. more fully in verse 10. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. So I think verse 9 is saying that it's trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance amongst Christians. Yeah. To pursue godliness. To pursue godliness because it's a value both for this life and for the life to come. So make godliness your main aim in life. And then Paul says, not just to Timothy, this is verse 10 now, Mm -hmm. for to this end we toil Toil and strive. strive. So Mm -hmm. it's not just you need to toil and strive, Timothy. We're doing this. Yeah, right. We. This is our practice. This is the apostolic aim, labor. Mm -hmm. Okay. It reminds of, um, it's like Colossians 1, 29. For to this end we toil. Mm -hmm. That everyone well, doesn't, doesn't Tim, I mean, actually, earlier in Timothy, he says something very similar, like this is, or is it, that may be First John, says something very, very similar, like to this end, uh, it is, I think it is, is this a love out of a pure heart? Oh, yeah, First Timothy 1 5. Yeah. Right. So it sounds very, very similar. The aim of our charge is our love. Charge. And again, it's our, it's this we language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. But in the Colossians text, he actually says, for this end I to- we, to- we toil, or I toil, mm. that we may present everyone as mature, mature. Mm. in Christ. Like that is the goal of the apostolic ministry is the believer's, wait for it. Maturity. Maturity. Yeah. That dead air you hear right there <laughs> is us deciding how do we want to to uh, to approach the a conversation about you know what's going on in individual Christian lives and and also our church and and, and other churches as well. Like what it was the aim, right? What are we aiming for? Yeah. What's what is the goal? Well, the goal in churches should be the goal in the Bible. Yep. Uh, the goal in, in biblical pastorates should be the goal for the apostles, Apostle Paul specifically here. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God, mm-hmm. who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. We'll come back to that in just a second. Right. But but this this idea of... In everything, I mean, just go go read the book of Acts, uh, see the the gospel ministry of the Apostle Paul, go read his letters to all these churches. He just, who, who did more labor than Paul? Uh, nobody. Nobody did. And he's saying that all of it, in the end, was a toiling and a striving mm-hmm. after the godliness sure. of Christ's people. Yes. Their maturity. Yeah. With hope set forward. That's and right. I think that's important for them yeah. because I think part of this, and we could talk about it, I mean, the, the, the terms we'd probably use is you know, something like a over-realized eschatology or whatever. But I mean, basically, yeah. if they're saying we can do these bodily practices now, it makes us more spiritual now. 
there's some basis in it. They're saying that the spiritual has arrived. Everything is here now and we can take advantage of that. And you who don't take advantage of it and see all of it now, Mm -hmm. you're lesser than us. And he's saying, we set our hope in the future. We have our eschatology right. um, And we see it as in the future. And so we know that we put into habit godliness now looking forward. Yeah. Um, Again, talking about uh, reminding of spots, but... uh, here, here he is in Philippians 3. Mm-hmm. Not that I have already obtained this right, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Mm-hmm. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. <laughs> but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind... And straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature Mm -hmm. think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So he's saying... Whatever you've attained in godliness, make sure you don't slip back. Right. Hold the line Uh there and then advance and then hold the line and then advance advance. (laughs) and then hold the line and then advance. And I'm I'm just saying, brother, man, I am praying that this will become um, pervasive as a goal or an mm. aim in the local churches in our area yeah. and in our own local church. Yeah. Um, do you want to speak to philosophy of ministry or, or ministry aims or how this ministry or that ministry might, might uh, impact? No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Cool. What's, the, what's the every time I ask you, do you mind praying? You're like, uh, no. uh. Yes. I don't know what to say to that. Oh, God. Do you mind? Yes. Do you mind? Um, yeah. I mean. Would you say, so, let me ask you this. Would you say that um, just from from your general feel of, not, I'm not talking about around us. I'm just talking about in general. You're out there. You sure. read the stuff. You see the stuff. Yeah. In general. Is that a focus of a lot of churches, do you think? No. I mean, I think more often we want, come, we're going to talk about something that is, you know, being talked about by everybody outside the church. And Mm -hmm. so it's interesting. Yeah. Um, We want to pit ourselves against somebody else. I see way more of our teaching based on that. Mm. Um, and there's, uh, of course, there's, there's still a lot of, you know, just churches that are, are stuck on a, I say stuck, I don't mean that in a negative actually, but they just do the regular sort of Sunday school or, or something like that, where right. we're just walking through this pamphlet or we're walking through this biblical book yeah. and you wonder after 15 or 20 years, is it actually developing godliness or is it just the established pattern and we've been doing it for as long as we can remember. Nobody remembers when we didn't do this right. style of ministry. Right. Where the churches 
I mean, a church can be a building, but is it an institution in such a way mm-hmm. that it just can't be changed? This is how we've always done it, mm-hmm. um, even if it looks to everybody outside dead. Yeah, um, we just that's what we're doing, and so yeah, it isn't really growing people in love. It's not really growing mm-hmm. people in serving one another. Um, right. And that goes back to what you alluded to in First Timothy 1, 5, where the aim of their charge was love. Right. And it's to cultivate love. Because he says in First Corinthians 13, if you have not love, you're nothing. Right. It doesn't matter. You could, you, could have, you could have all the knowledge of all the scriptures of, that have ever... Like you, you could have faith that moves mountains. You could have all these gifts and graces. If you have not love, mm. then you're nothing. Right. So love, really, we're talking about godliness, godliness, we're talking about maturity. We're talking about growing in love. love. <laughs> right. But what's really different, what's interesting is I think I see, like what you're saying, especially I think in sort of the, the culturally Christian South, is that people kind of come to a building and they come to a building for preaching or for a service or something like that. Right. And they might have Sunday school or whatever. And they have pockets of friends, but they don't really do church. Right. New Testament church community well. But that right there is so much of where sanctification happens. Right. It's in not just a a community of people, but a fellowship of people who are committed, devoted to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Right. When you have all of that going, prayer, ministry of the word, and community around those things, then you actually have... Uh, I think something really powerful to take individual Christians and yeah. a whole group of Christians called a church and see it grow into what the New Testament's talking right. about. I mean, it both, both promises effectiveness because the spirit is going to be moving in it. It also is a very hard mm. place when you see that kind of word ministry meted with community, like met up really solidly. It's very hard for false teachers to come in and yeah. start passing off just nonsense because everybody is prepared to go. That does not sound like what mm-hmm. I've read in scripture. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't sound like that. Yeah. Well, and you, if um, you you have a church where uh, you know the not just the preaching but the teaching and the community, the fellowship, the conversations, the discussions, the dialogue, the resourcing, the discipling, like. All of that stuff, if it is to a certain uh, breadth, but also depth and a degree of just Christic, Christ-centered saturation, mm-hmm. well, then you're actually training people so that when they go out from your church, whether it's as pastors or just members that are being sent out to, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, it almost makes it difficult for them to go to some churches because they're like, this is not enough. Yeah. I'm not expect, being fed. I expect more. I expect more. I expect God expects more. more. <laughs> right. And, and I think I would just say as, as an exhortation to us to as we move forward and to others, like, do that. Like have the kind of ministry where where if you're if your folks go somewhere else, they're not they're not like blindsided, like, whoa, that is so much. But instead it's like, that's not enough. Right. I need more. Give me more. Okay. Enough of that. Enough of that. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is, here we go, uh, we'll end here, who is the Savior of all people. Hmm. And yeah, I think I actually thought you did pretty pretty good on this last night on your your, uh, teaching through the atonement. (laughs) Uh, Who is the Savior of all people. Yep. Especially. Yep. Of those who believe. Who believe. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, you're the you're you're the master of. Uh, I was. Of, wow. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, no. I, 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 what I explained last yes. night. I mean, I would yes. say you know we what we have is we have Christ in His life, in His death. He's uniting with humanity, so He brings in this kind of. And I said universal, and then didn't explain it. But I mean, basically, He connects with all of humanity. He's fully human yeah. as He as He does that. And so we have this element of him being truly the There's savior a sense in which of he's the savior all. of all people. Yeah. But then it is, it, it really did. And I, I was so just like, there's part of me that would have taken another 30 minutes probably early on to talk about just union and what mm-hmm. that really meant. Yeah. And I just had to kind of keep referring to it instead. But really that union where the Holy Spirit actually connects us the other direction mm-hmm. to Christ really does make all the difference. And it isn't done just because like, oh, I've decided it's done because Christ has done something at the atonement mm-hmm. where he said, spirit, unite him to me um, in such a way that there is a very particular relationship we have that Christ is able to then yeah. in love, share the spirit and do things that otherwise we would not have been connected. We would not be adopted. We would not be justified. He could not bear our sin hmm. or take away God's wrath from us as sinners if he didn't have that union um with us particularly so anyway that, that was kind of what was mm-hmm. said last night i think close yeah. to it so. yeah and there is a real sense in which jesus is the savior of all people all people yeah uh there is another sense in which he is an a special savior yep <laughs> for all who believe um yeah. there there is um grace that is particular in its application to uh, to the people of Christ. Do you think we should see? I'm just just as a question. Do you think yeah. he is specifically then, as he says, you know, set on the living God? Is he specifically talking of Jesus? Is he talking of the Father here again, or is he just kind of treating God generally and including all of that? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, probably. Probably. Um, I know. Hard. Hard because, question. Well, no, but because we have our hopes set on the living God. I mean, definitely God. It is. I mean, he's God. talking yeah. God. But who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe? Um, I mean, there is a sense in which I don't uh, think the language is very specific myself. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you could, you could, it could be uh, the triune God, um, but. Because I mean, God, should, God the Father the shows His special love in sending Jesus, yeah, yes. in just such a way. Yeah. <laughs> well, and He's also said, although it, I think it's somewhat, um, I don't know, debate. It's not probably not the right word there, um, but back in three sixteen, great indeed we confess is the mystery of godliness. He uh-huh. and there's like a little note there. Uh, some manuscripts, God, right? Some manuscripts. Which, <laughs> W-I-H-I-C-H. Yeah. yeah. So, so some manuscripts actually have that God was manifested in the flesh. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whatever, however you want to take that. But I think, so I think when you get here, you can say, yes, yes, it is. Um, hope set on the living God is, is God. Yeah. God, triune God. Uh, there's also a sense, I think, when he moves towards who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe there, there has been an... Um, a revelation of him as savior, which mm. is chiefly in the person of the son. Of the son. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, so summarize, summarize here for Timothy four, six through 10. Mm. You've been a good example. You're showing a good example. Continue to show that example. Yep. 
teach your people to do the exact same thing, to follow you in that example. It's trustworthy. Yeah, it's trustworthy. Yep. And do it because you are looking forward that this godliness is not going to shuttle off. It's going to continue to the yeah. point where you see Jesus face to face and can stand yes. before him. That's right. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah. You're going to not see the shame. living God. Yeah. The reason that godliness is of value in every way is because there's coming a day yeah. where you're going to be face to face, whether you're a believer or unbeliever, you're going to come face to face with the living God. And if you're a believer, oh, by the way, he's your especial savior. Yeah. A special savior. I'm so, start using that. <laughs> so don't, don't slide back. Yeah. Plant those flags in godliness, you know, and then advance. Be willing to and take. keep advancing and keep advancing. Pastor, do that. Church, Church do, do that. that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Thanks, brother. Yeah, thanks. Thanks.